Pump up the volume on your parenting with Parent Pump Radio. Tune into something different that makes a difference. At Parent Pump Radio, instead of a ripple, we choose to create a splash. Get energized, get inspired, and get informed with how to parent in the new millennium. With your host and parent coach super guide, Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. Hi, this is Jacqueline T.D. Wynn. We're here to pump up your parenting skills, pump up your knowledge, and pump up your energy. Welcome to Parent Pump Radio. Our show is available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and syndicated on missionsradio.org and liveleadplay.com. We are looking for guests on our Teen to Parent Talk series. If you know of a young adult between the age of 18 to 23 years old who would like to share their story, their journey, or insight, please contact us at parentpumpradio at gmail.com. So because of my own personal challenges growing up with my parents' parenting style, I'm very passionate about changing how I raise my family and to help other parents do the same. I believe we can change the world in one generation if we all learn the skills to be a great leader. I mean, after all, we're leaders leading our children and ultimately ourselves. And our children are our legacy and our hope for a better future to the world. A great leader is someone who leads by example, by what they do. So I asked you, do your children follow you because they want to, because they respect you, because they admire you, or because you have the title, you demand it, because they fear you? So let me tell you, if it's the latter, it won't last for long. You're most likely going to have mutiny on your hand sooner or later. You want to avoid this. If you're going through it now and you want to change it, then consider starting a whole new family with the one you have by enrolling in my three-month Harmonious Family Blueprint program. If you don't currently have a plan or a blueprint, then you don't know where you're going, and it's going to be very difficult when those hard times come along, and they will. Remember that the family structure and foundation is the number one defense against teenage substance abuse, pregnancy, depression, stress, and so much more. On to our show today. We are talking about autism, uncovering the strength and the possibility. Right now, it's estimated about 1 in 68 children will be identified with autism spectrum disorder, which is called ASD, according to the CDC. In 1970s and the 80s, about one out of every 2,000 children had autism. Today, the CDC estimate that one in 158-year-olds in the U.S. has an autism spectrum disorder. And our guest today is an autism advocate. He's a speaker and author. After discovering his own autism at the age of 33, he dedicated his life to creating understanding, acceptance, inclusion and opportunity for autistic individuals everywhere. He brings inspirations and connects the dots through a practical understanding of autism and neurodiversity. He is also successful in his own right as a software engineer with over 18 years of experience and a four-time Microsoft MVP award recipient. He is a powerful speaker who has spoken at over 150 events across North America and is on several task force committees in Southern California. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce you to Steve Andrews. Hello, Steve. How are you doing? I'm good, Jacqueline. How are you? I'm doing very well today. Let's get into getting to know about you. You spent most of your younger 
part of your life, not even realizing that you had autism. How was that? I faced a lot of challenges growing up. Asperger's didn't exist when I was growing up. And so someone was either non-speaking and noticeably challenged, or they were misbehaving and not applying themselves. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so in school, in home life, uh, there were lots of challenges. I didn't have a single friend until high school. It's not that I didn't have close friends. I didn't have any at all. And I struggled with with homework and the executive function of that. And I struggled with the, the sensory environment of the school. But I didn't realize I had any of those struggles, right? I, I thought I wasn't trying hard enough or that I was broken. I was defective. And so at age 33, when I was diagnosed in Seattle in 2012, it was profoundly transformational. I had lived 33 years feeling fundamentally broken and it transformed my life. What made you decide to go, hey, I think I want to get tested for this? I think it was just a culmination of struggles I'd had in my life that came to a head. And I've worked for Microsoft and I've done work for lots of big companies and small companies. And I was a four-time Microsoft MVP award recipient, but I'd faced a lot of challenges in the workplace, uh, socially, and it came to a head. And I had started hearing about this thing called Asperger's online, on Twitter, on Facebook, and I'd read about it. And for the first time, I was reading about me. Hmm. I was reading about things like, oh my gosh, this is describing me. And so I made a list a nice big long list of all the challenges I'd faced in my life and went down to downtown Seattle and saw a therapist and walked in with that list. And, you know, if that's not partially indicative and within that first session, she told me you have Asperger's. One of the very first things she taught me is that I'm not alone. I'm not broken. There are other people just like me and it transformed my life. And from there I did what a lot of people do. And I decided I wanted to learn everything there is to know about this thing we call autism. And so I've now been doing about five years of research into autism, journal articles and blog posts and talking to everyone I can talk to and reading books. That's led to a number of interesting discoveries. One of the big ones is I discovered the, it's suggested that the unemployment and underemployment of autistic folks is could be as high as 80 to 90%. Wow. That's a lot. Which is some of the hot. Yeah. It's some of the highest unemployment rates of any group of people. And yet when we look at autistic folks, we tend to see, you know, there are challenges, but there's also strengths and things like tend to have average or above average intelligence, attention to detail, intense focus, creative out-of-the-box problem-solving skills. And from my perspective, I I saw these are folks we should be hiring. Yeah, absolutely. These are people our workforces need. We need different perspectives. We need people who think in different ways. And I thought, what if I could combine my tech experience with my experience of being autistic to create a place where autistic people can be successful in the workplace. And so that's what led me down the road of creating Platinum Bay Technologies as a, uh, we're a software company designed to successfully employ autistic folks at market salary plus benefits. I also do a lot of 
as you mentioned, autism advocacy. And so I regularly speak and consult and do training on autism to parents and individuals and educators and business leaders and and, and whatnot. Now, I know before we started the show, I was telling you that I wanted to ask you what your greatest success was. And you hesitated saying that that's hard for you to talk about. But I have to tell you, just listening to what you have said just in the last nine minutes or so that we've been on the air, you are successful in your own right. I mean, you just gave me statistic that 80 to 9% of people with autism are in the unemployment rate, and yet you have succeeded in having an MPV award from Microsoft. You have your own company that employs autistic people. 18 years of experience in doing this. I hope you can see what a tremendous success you are, not just as an autistic person, as a human being, because there are people who don't even have autism that can't even achieve even a tenth of what you've achieved in this short of a lifespan. So really, congratulations. I I think the broader message there, though, is that, you know, despite the challenges with autism, uh, sensory and communication and motor skills and executive function and some of the external social empathy. There's also incredible strengths yeah. that autistic people have. And those strengths can be very, if they're, if they're found, if they're nurtured, if they're encouraged, can be really powerful in someone's life. Absolutely. I think you've taken what you have and made it a strength. And you created something really powerful, and uh, it, the world's going to be a better place. And I think that's an important thing to remember because so much with autism, we hear about the negatives, mm-hmm. right? And and only the negatives, the the challenges, the the hurdles, the the negative words that are used with it. But the focus equally equally needs to be on strengths. Yes. So let's talk about autism. What is it? Because I think. We all think we know what it is, but I know after speaking to you, even offline, I was educated so much more. So the current definition in the DSM and according to the CDC is a set of social and behavioral and communication challenges. But through my research, what I've discovered is that those are largely secondary indicators. And at its core, what autism really is, is an atypically active entire nervous system. And so what that means is that central to autism are things like the peripheral nervous system and sensory and motor issues. And and one of the big pieces I've discovered is that the autonomic nervous system plays a large role in autism. And the autonomic nervous system is our, well, there's two pieces to it. There's the sympathetic division, which is our fight or flight and the parasympathetic division, which is the rest and digest. And autistic people tend to have a overactive fight or flight response. Mm, okay. And so it's really important to understand that a lot of the behavioral challenges we see aren't really behavioral challenges. They're coping challenges. They're anxiety, uh, things like that. And so with behavior, we see... You know, we're off as parents, we're familiar with the tantrum, right? We're in the checkout aisle of the grocery store and there's a candy bar and the kid wants it and they're going to throw themselves on the floor and scream and kick and until they get it. And if they get that thing they want, 
it goes away, right? They're trying to get control of a situation. But meltdowns are the opposite. A meltdown is typically you want less of something. It's you're socially overloaded or the, the environment's too stressful or there's an anxiety around social. And it's, it's someone having a hard time not giving us a hard time. Oh, okay. So overstimulation of something. It's not that they want control of the outside. They're trying to get control of their inside because it's too much. Yes, it's feeling out of control. And so what's important to remember in those moments is, and maybe a more relatable example, if we go out into the woods for a hike and we round the bend and there's a bear, what happens? Our, our fight or flight kicks in, right? Yep. The, the endorphins, the adrenaline, and rightfully it should. We need, either need to run away or punch in the nose or, or something. But for an autistic person, that same biophysiological response may happen because the pencil is blue instead of red or the cup is too cold, right? Yes. But in those moments, if we saw the bear and fight or flight kicks in and I tell you, you know, hey, Jacqueline, calm down. It's no big deal. Don't worry about it. Just, just get better control of yourself. How well is that going to work? Not well at all. And the same thing with autism. And in those moments, it's important to remember our job is, as parents is to help our kids feel safe and loved and comforted. And in that moment, the goal is to help them de-escalate. Maybe it's, maybe it's going to a dark, quiet room, or maybe it's leaving the grocery store, but they're having a hard time. And then later, once that parasympathetic division has kicked in that rest or digest. And then we can look back and, and say, start to look beyond the behavior. What caused that, right? Were there any warning signs that led up to it? You know, I have my own warning signs. I've learned when I'm approaching overload and meltdown, I tend to get more, it's not OCD, but it's OCD-like tendencies. I also, and this is unique to me and a little embarrassing, but I start doing really bad accent impressions. Oh, okay. I'll start talking in like weird accents and it's, I'm not quite sure why, but now I know when I start doing that, I need to check in and say, how am I doing? You know, how's the situation? Do I need to do some self-care? And then once I've done that though, then I can look at what happened and say, what was the cause? What was overloading me? And how do I look for warning signs in the future? You know, are there things I can do differently in the future? And Raising that self-awareness, but also that self-kindness in that moment is so important. Now, how did you learn to become aware of that? I think part of it is that I do tend to be very introspective. And so I'm always self-analyzing and trying to understand myself better. Um, and two is the reading and research. And I've read countless blog posts and articles written by other autistic people who have learned things and written about them and helped me to learn more about myself. Nice. Okay. And I'm also thinking on the parents' perspective, because if they have a child that is five, seven, eight, the child's not going to know how to do this. How can a parent figure this out? So when their child is speaking in an accent that they know, okay, this is the time that we need to do something. That probably won't be their child's thing. Um, you know, autistic people are highly unique, just like everyone else, right? Autism is not a cookie cutter mold of a person. But, but one of the other big causes of, frankly, both meltdowns and tantrums is 
lack of skills and lack of words to communicate how they're feeling, right? If we can't talk it out, we act it out. And so I think helping a child learn how to communicate what they're challenged with in the moment is important. And I think helping to get those words out of them is also equally important. I mean, once we understand what's going on, then we can also teach skills, right? Coping mechanisms and self-care and whatnot. A lot of times I find the behavior is, you know, that unable to communicate what they're feeling or a lack of skills. You know, it's usually thought that two-year-olds, whatnot, have the ability to regulate themselves. And really, kids don't have that ability until they're about three and a half. So understanding those things that they don't necessarily have that ability to self-soothe or to, you know, control impulses, things like that is important. Okay. So are there anything that parents should know about autistic people and children that you haven't touched? I think there's a few big important things. The first is to always presume competence. You know, so many parents, when they first get that diagnosis, the doctor sits them down and they're all solemn and it's, you know. It's like a death pet sentence. Yeah. And it may be as severe as, oh, your kid will never walk or they'll never speak or say, I love you, or they'll never live an independent life. But we have absolutely no way of knowing that when a kid is two or three or four years old. There have been countless stories of autistic folks whose parents received that news and have gone on to go to university to have companies and get the MVP award. <laughs> yeah, or, or in their own way have gone on to live their own rich and fulfilling life. So just because things are a certain way today doesn't mean they're going to be that way forever. You know, autistic people tend to be on their own path, right? They're not, they may not match everyone else's path, but it doesn't mean they're on a wrong path. Another important thing to understand is it's commonly been said that autistic people lack empathy, but that's not really true. What I found is that there's two parts to empathy. The first is that external social empathy, eye contact and back and forth in conversation and body language and things like that. And we do tend to have some challenges there. We can also have challenges with understanding how our words or actions affect other people. But the other side of empathy is compassionate empathy. And that's the ability to feel and to care about people and to not want to see other people hurt. And what we found is that autistic people tend to have that in spades. We care very deeply. A lot of autistic people care for animals and, and social justice issues and, and care about their friends and family, even if they can't always communicate it. And even if it doesn't always show up like on their face or in their body language, right? So understanding that part of empathy. And one of the big things is really to facilitate communication in some way. Not every autistic person is going to speak. There are non-speaking autistic individuals. And all that means for them is that they can't speak. Just because they have a challenge in one area doesn't mean they have challenges in all areas. Finding ways to facilitate communication, whether it's sign language or eye gaze technology or letter boards or typing on an iPad, there's been numerous stories of folks who are not speaking and one day discover an iPad or discover something like that and start typing out fluent sentences. You know, everybody had thought they were not intelligent, that they're they're not really there, that they are a shell of a person, air quotes. But then they start typing out these fluid sentences and these 
and communicating. And, and we realized that we should always, always presume competence. What else? I mean, I think with that, the goal is really communication and independence. That's what we want for our kids. They may go to college or they may not, right? They may. But that's really have... with any kid, don't you think? Absolutely. I think we as parents tend to get stuck sometimes in our own expectations. Yeah. And that's another show that we can probably talk about. Oh, sure. And really, we need to step back and say, realize that ultimately what we want for our kids is rich and fulfilling lives, right? We want them to be happy. And what is happiness to them? It may be going to college. It may not. It may be going and getting a job. It may be starting a company, being an entrepreneur. It may be something else entirely. And if that's what makes them happy, that's what's important, right? And that's what we all want for autistic people is rich and fulfilling lives. As a parent, if your child is diagnosed with autistic, and like you said earlier, you know, you get the gamut of how bad it could be, the fear does kick in. Absolutely. What's your suggestions you've experienced or seen in your talk that could really help those parents kind of calm their fear so that they can help their children live a rich and fulfilling life? I think there's two things. The first is to really understand that at its core, autism is just a different neurology. Is as some people have said, it's a different operating system. It interacts with and perceives and communicates with the world differently, but it doesn't mean it's wrong, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean that there's something broken and we have to fix it. It's, hey, they, they're a little different. And so we need to understand them and their challenges But also the second piece is we have to focus on strengths. So much of the autism story has focused entirely on the negative for entirely too long. And the strengths are critical. For me, I discovered computers when I was a kid and fell in love. I'd get on a computer and I'd start learning about programming and things like that. And I was like, wow, this is how my brain works. This is awesome. And through that strength, after... I did a little bit of college. I bought a computer and sat in front of it for 18 hours a day for like six months and uh, taught myself enough to fake my way into my first junior level job. But from that strength, I've now had a career in software. And through that career in software, I found my first friends, other geeks, other software engineers. And every year now, I drive up to Microsoft for their MVP summit because it's family reunion. And thousands of people from around the world come in and I have friends and acquaintances and it's just, it's amazing. And through these strengths that I have, I found friends, I found partners, I found careers. And I think most importantly, I found self-esteem as well. You probably found uh, who you are. Yeah. Because people were telling you you were all these other things and none of those were you. Yeah. And that's why it's, I think it's equally important for parents to seek out what other autistic people are saying. It's incredibly difficult to observationally understand autism. And going back to the empathy, one of the things we've heard for many years is called theory of mind. And that autistic people lack theory of mind, which is the ability to understand someone else's motivations and intents and understand what they're thinking and and whatnot. But what I discovered is that that's not a autism challenge. That's a humanity challenge. None of us have this supernatural ability to read someone else's mind. What happens is we tend to project what we're thinking and feeling, 
right? How would I feel in that situation? Why would I be doing that behavior? But for an autistic person, the reason for that behavior may differ from a neurotypical person. We may look at a behavior and say, oh, they're being um, oppositional, but maybe they're just having a hard time and they don't know how to communicate it. They don't have the skills to cope with it. And what I find is as we cross neural subtypes, whether it's neurotypical or autistic, you know, for neurotypicals, they, uh, they tend to process and interact and communicate with the world in a similar manner. And so when they do that projection of how would I feel in that situation, they tend to be right most of the time. But when we cross neural subtypes is where, and so autistic people lack, you know, have challenges understanding neurotypicals, but it equally goes the other way as well where neurotypicals have troubles understanding the autistic person. So I think it's really important to seek the input and advice from autistic folks. Uh, there's so many blogs out there and books that have been written that can really help parents understand why is that behavior happening, right? Why is this, what is the challenge that they're having and how can I help them grow? If people have questions, can they contact you? I do have a, a website. They can contact me there. The steveandrews.me website, right? Yep. Okay, and that's all the information is going to be in the show notes. Uh, your company's website is platinumbay.com. Yep. You have a Twitter and also a Facebook page under that name also. I do, yes. Okay. Now, we have a few minutes left. And I know you're working on a book. Briefly, can you tell us about the book? And then when it's launched, we'd love for you to come back on the show and talk more about it. Sure, I'd love to. Every time I go talk, people tell me I need to write a book. And so I started writing a book. And it's, it's kind of a conglomeration of all my talks on autism, really seeking out to be a complete guide. One of the things parents are challenged with is there are a lack of resources, uh, of obvious resources for parents to help them understand and to help them with their kid. What I'm trying to put together is, is the culmination of my talks and this general understanding of autism, as well as those practical tips on, hey, here's how we can help autistic people, again, live those rich and fulfilling lives. And a lot of that really comes back to what we've talked about is driving towards strengths. That's really how we should look at life in general and ourselves right? We should look at our strength and not beat ourselves for our weaknesses. Oh, absolutely. And I'm really glad that you mentioned that, not just for autistic, but I'm saying just let's start doing that in general. Oh, absolutely. So many of the lessons I'm learning have such far broader applicability. A lot of times it's easy to get caught up in the Facebook culture, but you live your blooper reel all day. Yeah. And yet on Facebook, you're looking at everyone's exactly. highlight reel. And you start comparing the two and you start feeling bad about yourself. You know, the other important thing is that I've learned that came out of my own diagnosis is self-kindness. Yeah, good. And I've realized I wasn't broken, that my brain just operated differently. I realized I have sensory issues and I have social challenges and executive function challenges and, and whatnot. But a lot of self-kindness came from my own diagnosis. You know, I'd lived with crippling anxiety and severe depression and passively suicidal at times before the diagnosis. And, and that is um, 
largely gone away, although I am an entrepreneur and I say as an entrepreneur, I sleep like a baby. I wake up every two hours crying and then rock back and forth until I fall asleep again. <laughs> you still have a humor though. I love that. <laughs> so we are out of time, but I want to say, Steve, thank you so much for sharing your knowledge, your passion, and your compassion. Definitely when you have your book ready to, to launch, contact me. I'd love for you to come back. I'd love to. Any last word to our audience? I think we've covered everything at a high level. Okay, great. Okay, listeners, until next time, always be learning and always be growing. Have a great week. Thank you so much for joining us today. Go to parentpumpradio.com and click on the pink box on the top of our homepage to listen to our new and archived shows. To be instantly notified of new episodes, subscribe to our RSS feed. The RSS feed button is located at the top of the page where all our shows are featured. And after listening to the show, go to parentpumpradio.com or our Facebook page to leave your comments, questions, and topic suggestions. And while you're at our website, sign up to receive a free gift. Until next time, have a wonderful week.